Amen. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate it. Good morning, everybody. Again, good morning to those that are joining us online. It's great to be here. My name's Dean. I'm one of the pastors at Alpine, and it's always nice to visit the Layton campus and excited to continue our series on the book of Mark. I believe this is week five. If you've been with us since the beginning of January and come every time it's been snowing, then you'll have been here for all five weeks of Mark. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, looked at Jesus and the beginning of his public ministry. And then last week, we looked at the, his kingdom. And this week, we're going to take some time and we're going to look at his authority. And that authority was proven by Mark early on in the beginning of the chapter, first chapter of Mark. He wanted to prove the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. And this authority shows us that Jesus is the Messiah and he is God with us. And so that has some ramifications for you and I, and we're going to be looking at that this morning. So I have a question for you this morning, and that is, have you ever asked yourself the question, what determines what you think and how you act? Imagine if we dug into that question and really considered it, it'll come down to the fact that it's those that you listen to. And so if that's the case, it kind of begs another question, and that question is why do we listen to those individuals or situations, etc. And so I want to take just a minute to look at a few of those that maybe are why we choose to listen to who we choose to. And the first group would be those that we admire, and those that we respect, those that we aspire to be like. When we're young, we have these individuals that we kind of hold up, and it's really hard to even disagree with them um, because we just admire them so much. And so they can have a big impact on how we think and what we, what we do. Another situation and group that can have an impact us is those that we spend time on. And this is where social media really comes into play. In 2022, the um, statistics show that an average person spends two hours and 27 minutes on social media. So are you above those two hours and 27 or below? You don't have to raise your hand, but that's the average. And so social media, whether you want to recognize it or not, has a big impact on what you think and how you act because we listen to podcasts, we listen to news, we listen to entertainment through social media, and it has an impact on us. Another group is peer pressure. Peer pressure has a tremendous effect on what we think and how we act because we want to be accepted by others. I can remember when I was in high school, I was on the basketball team, probably no surprise there. But anyways, I was on the basketball team and um, I don't even remember what it's called, but it's when the cheerleaders come and they kidnap you in the morning. And uh, so you, they come into your room, wake you up, and take you to 
to breakfast, they let your parents know beforehand, and they say, hey, make sure your kid gets some money for breakfast. And so we all go to breakfast together, and I can remember we're at breakfast, breakfast is getting over, and I have my money, and the team starts walking out, and nobody's paying. And I'm thinking to myself, I got money right here, I, I should pay. I just walked out. Peer pressure has a huge impact. Um, I used to be a center director at Clearfield Job Corps and uh, Gary, which has about 1,500 students. And we tried to have people that came in, young people from the ages of 16 to 24, we tried to encourage them to make right decisions. Well, we didn't do it by telling them what to do. We tried to do it by having the group demonstrate to them what was acceptable because we knew peer pressure has a big impact. None of these really have a right to tell us what to do. We grant these some implicit consent to have authority over us, but they really don't have a right to tell us what to do. There's a group that probably does have a little right to tell us what to do because they have some type of authority in our lives, and one is the law. A good example of that is the new law in California that um, kind of limits per, um, prosecution on small amounts of theft, right? So now we have people that have changed their thinking and their actions by going in and actually taking that merchandise that is at that level and just walking out of the store. And then we have others thinking, well, I need to shut down my store or I need to put things behind cases. So the law has an impact. Closely related to that is the government. The government can have an impact on how we think and how we act, especially in the areas of taxes, what we do with our taxes and how much we're going to owe, and also with Social Security and retirement, especially retirement, if we're able to retire. So the government has an impact. And then there's those that have positions over us that do have an impact on us as far as how we think and what we do. Our parents, our teachers, bosses, all can have a huge impact on how we think and what we do. And there's one additional group that has an impact. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but it's your spouse, significant other. Um, hopefully you don't pick up on their bad habits and only pick up on their good habits, but they do have an impact on us also. But none of these, whether it is those that we implicitly give authority to or those that positionally may have authority over us, None of these should influence what we think and how we live more than Jesus. That is because he actually has the ultimate authority. And that is what our passage is going to show us this morning. That Jesus has ultimate authority, not only over us, but over all creation. And because of this position of authority... It should dictate to us how we think, how we live, 
And regardless of whether or not it does, he will have the final authority and the final say. So let's pick up our passage in Mark. Again, we're going through Mark, and we're going to begin to look at Mark um, chapter 1, verses 21 through 22, and we'll continue on um, with those scriptures. But let's begin here with Mark 1, 21, 22. It says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum, and when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. The book of Luke actually gives us kind of a bigger picture of what's taking place here. In Luke chapter 4, it tells us that when Jesus um, came, back, um, from Gal- came back to Galilee from his baptism and his temptation, that he was invited into synagogues to um, speak. And so that's what began to happen. News spread about Jesus And he began to talk at the many synagogues throughout. And he finally ended up back in Nazareth, which was his his hometown. And so he was at the synagogue on the Sabbath in his hometown. And he began to read, which was part of the service. And he read from the book of Isaiah. And the people were amazed at his reading of the word. And it says that they were all amazed and that... He finished reading, and he sat down, and he said that the Scripture has been fulfilled, and not much took place with that statement, but it's the statement after that that got them a little fired up. And so Jesus started talking about, and they asked, well, how come the miracles that were taking place in Capernaum with you are not taking place here? And Jesus' response They didn't really appreciate too much at all because he basically told them, well, you're not chosen. And they were of such rage that they threw him out of the synagogue, threw him out of the city, and actually attempted to throw him over a cliff. Just imagine that, if that was the news today, that we had this religious person that a group of people attempted to you know, throw out and beat up and kill. Scripture says that Jesus passed through their midst and he ended up back in Capernaum where he continued to teach in the synagogues. And that's where we pick up the the story here in Mark. It's interesting that those in the synagogue in Nazareth did not recognize Jesus' authority. They only recognized him as Joseph's son. However, those in the synagogue of Capernaum had a different response. They recognized Jesus, spoke and acted in ways that demonstrated his ultimate authority and pointed to his position as king, the king that had absolute authority to be the one that determines what we think, what is real, and what is true. If we look at the end of verse 22, it says, The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite like unlike the teachers of the religious law. What made them amazed was that Jesus didn't just quote other rabbis. That's what happened often in these synagogues on the Sabbath, where they would just quote other 
rabbis, they would start to argue and debate about how many steps you could take on the Sabbath without breaking the law. Uh, That's what they did. But Jesus did not concentrate on those things. Jesus didn't waffle. He didn't say maybe. He didn't rely on other people's opinions. He spoke the truth. And in the book of Matthew, we read that after he finished the Sermon on the Mount, the people there had the same response. They were amazed at his teaching and the authority which he spoke. And if you take time to read the Sermon on the Mount, you can't help but be amazed at the words that Jesus speaks. And I'm sure that Jesus was speaking with the same authority and the words of truth that those in the, for those that were at the synagogue in Capernaum. And this authority, this authority that Jesus has at its core is the fact that it is coming from his position as creator. The Bible tells us that Jesus created everything that exists. And nothing can be stronger than the beginning of the book of John where it tells us that all things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being. In fact, a few verses earlier, it talks about him being the word, the logos. And the word actually was what created all things. And if I want to know how something works, how something was created, if I can get past being a guy, I'll look at the instructions. Um, I'll look at the owner's manner. And why will I do that? Because it has the greatest authority on the subject. Because the one that created it wrote the owner's manual. And if I want to learn about a question I have about an author who I'm reading, I, I want to go to that author to get the, the answer. Jesus' words have authority because he is the author. He is the creator of all things. Not only does Jesus' words have authority because he is the creator, he has authority because he has perfect knowledge. I don't really trust somebody that doesn't really have a lot of experience in what they're talking about. They need to validate that they have knowledge in that area, that they've exhaustively studied it, that they've proven it by application. And once they do, I'll trust that person probably in that area, maybe it's construction, but I'm not going to trust them to fix my heart because they don't have the knowledge in that area. No one has complete knowledge except my son. My son's 26. (laughs) My son's 26, and he will tell me everything I want to know about any subject matter I want to know. Um, I think he just wants to show me that he has a lot of knowledge and I don't have that much knowledge. But even my son, at 26, doesn't know everything. You remember the old saying, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. It could lead us down the wrong path, and it often does. That is why it is imperative that we listen to the one that has full knowledge, perfect knowledge. Psalms 147.5 says, Great is our Lord, and of great power. 
His understanding is infinite. Well, finally, Jesus' words have authority because they are also based on his moral perfection. If you want to know the difference between right and wrong, who do you go to? Do you go to the thief who says you can steal? That's okay. Do you go to the blogger that has 100,000 likes and he must be right or she must be right because there's 100,000 people following them? We have all sinned. We, our view is tainted. Our perspective is just that. It's just our perspective. What is right and wrong must be measured against the standard of perfection, and that is Jesus, the one who has not sinned. Jesus himself says he is the truth. He is the standard. First Peter says that he, he committed no sin, and nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. Jesus' words have ultimate authority, and they should be the deciding factor on how we think. Are they? Or are there other influences in your life that play a bigger role? Who have you given authority to in how you think? You may say, well, I haven't given anybody any authority. I, I, I have the authority. That's kind of bit, a bit of a misnomer because you're getting your thoughts from somewhere. They don't just exist. I challenge you that wherever it comes from, it lacks the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus' authority extends beyond just what we think, but it extends on to, on to how we live. And this is brought up in the second event that takes place in the synagogue that further demonstrates and shows that Jesus has the ultimate authority. So let's look at Mark, going on in verse 23. It says, Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Now, we can quickly get off track here and spend a lot of time talking about evil spirits, demons, demon possession, demon manifestation. We could talk about um, all of that, but that's not why Mark brings it up. Mark brings it up to show that Jesus has authority over demons. And there are a couple of things, though, that are pertinent observation that we should look at. So, so the first thing that we should look at is that demons recognize the position that Jesus has, that he is the Son, the Holy One of God. They recognize that, but... 
Not even his hometown recognized that. So we find out throughout Scripture, Scripture shows over and over again, where spirits call out and say, we know who you are, and Jesus says, be quiet, it's not my time yet. So demons recognize who Jesus is. Second, demons acknowledge that Jesus can destroy them. If you remember in another situation, the demons cried out to Jesus and said, please don't throw us into the abyss, please send us into the swine. They had a clear understanding of the authority that Jesus had to determine their fate. It's kind of interesting because we don't always have that same clear understanding. And yet, we too have a fate. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Our fate is death without the intervention of Jesus. And third, demons do not want to listen to Jesus' authority. It's not all that surprising, but as stated here, they will want to scream, they'll want to fight. Here we have the example of them throwing this individual into a convulsion. Other places in Scripture, we see the demons have somebody go through fire. It reminds me a lot of a child that has a temper tantrum. It can look ugly. <laughs> especially if it's in public and especially if it's your kid. But it can look really, really ugly. But the interesting thing is, is that it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change that child's position and who they have to respond to. In the end, and here is, here is the point, they don't have a choice. The demons have to act on Jesus' authority. Because Jesus has authority over all spiritual forces and power. Ephesians 1, 21, 22 says, Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And all things are subject to him. They had to act in accordance to what Jesus said in his authority. So what makes you think that you do not have to act in accordance with his authority? What makes you think that that might be a good thing to do? What makes you think that you can ignore Jesus' authority and do what you want? His authority should determine how we act and how we live our lives. The reality of it is that for now, we get to choose. We choose who gets to influence our lives. But there will become a day that that will not be the case. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
just as the demons had no choice but to acknowledge and act upon the authority of Jesus, so will all of creation, whether they want to or not. You know, Jesus asks a reasonable question to his audience and to us today, just a few events after this. He says, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? You know, when we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is our Lord, we acknowledge his rightful position over us and his authority to be the one that determines how we think and how we live our lives. You can't really call him Lord if you don't accept his authority. It's like being a double-minded man that we learned in James. It says, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Why? Well, because we go outside the truth. And we live and think things that are false and that are not within his will. And as a result, we end up with the natural consequences of not being in his will. Yes, we get to choose right now who we, who we influences us, what helps us or decides what we think and what we act, but we do not have the choice of the consequences. The consequences of living outside the will of God always lead to destruction, always lead to death, to chaos, to confusion, to bondage, never to life. What was Jesus' prayer that he taught us? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we want his will to be done in our lives, if we want to experience his kingdom that we talked about last week, then we need to allow his authority to determine how we think and how we live our lives. You all know Jeopardy. Some of you like to play Jeopardy. There's always a final Jeopardy question. So we have a final Jeopardy question today for you. I guess it's not the question, it's the answer, right? Something like that. But anyways, here is the answer. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Do you have your answer? The answer who is Jesus Christ? He's been given all authority. The question is, are you all in? Are you going to accept his authority in your life? Let's pray. Father, we just... Um, just come before you, Lord, and oh, there's so many influences in our life and so many things that want to pull us away from the truth and pull us away from 
experiencing true freedom in you. And Lord, help us to surrender ourselves to you. And help us to realize that that authority that you have is not something to lord over us, but something that brings freedom into our lives so that we can live lives that are abundant. We just thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.